All right, hey, kiddos, you are dismissed the second hour. Have fun. Paul really liked the people at Colossae. He hadn't met them, but from the words that he had heard from Epaphras, he loved them a lot. He thought of them as if they were his own folk. And he was somewhat concerned for them. They were faithful, they were strong, they were great. But he was concerned about what might be coming. Because into the early church, there came some other groups that didn't quite agree with Pauline theology, and there was a move to shake things up and to get people to think differently. And Paul was concerned that the folks at Colossae might um, fall suspect to that, to that concern. And so he writes to them in the second chapter of Colossians, kind of to warn them, but to remind them to stick to their guns, if you will. He says to them, so live in Christ Jesus the Lord in the same way as you received him. Hear it? Live in Christ Jesus the Lord the same way you received him. Be rooted and built up in him. Be established in faith and overflow with thanksgiving just as you were taught. Paul's words to the folks in Colossae are simple. Stay rooted. Remain rooted. Hold on to what you have learned from the beginning. That's where you will stay strong. And of course, Paul can think that because the people of Colossae became followers of Jesus by listening to Epaphras, who was a disciple of Paul's. So Paul is very confident that everything that Epaphras told them would fit into Paul's theology. And so when he says, stay rooted... He's very confident that what they're rooted in is good. But what about the rest of us? Those of us who weren't taught by Epaphras, those of us whose roots don't fall to Paul's preaching, we all have our faith roots, don't we? It is a church we grew up in, a pastor that we loved and adored, a Sunday school teacher who spoke to our hearts, taught traditions that helped create our faith, our roots. <laughs> but what if some of the roots are wrong? What happens if some of the things that we learned in the beginning that have helped establish who we are in our faith aren't necessarily good things. I mean, I observe Christians all the time whose words and behavior and worldview are based in their faith roots, but their words, their actions, and their worldview are antithetical to mine, even though we all claim to be rooted. So what if we discover that the roots that are ours aren't quite Right. When Paul says remain rooted, he knows exactly what these folks have learned and come up under. But for all of us, we come from different places. 
and different traditions and different teachings and different theologies and different ways of looking at the world. So what if the roots under which we have, over which we have grown, ah, just aren't right? See, I've got to believe that for many there is a root problem. Now, I might have a root problem as well. In fact, I know I do, and part of my journey in life is rediscovering things. But I think that there is a root problem out there. It's mine, it's theirs, it's both. I struggle when I see people use faith to denigrate other people. I struggle when I see people use faith to exclude others. I struggle when I see people use faith to minimize, minimize or judge or hate or reject. That doesn't fit into my understanding of faith. And yet for many, based on their roots, they use faith to do those very things. They use Jesus to excuse bigotry and misogyny and self-centered narcissism. All in the name of rootedness. So, my conclusion is simply that often the rootedness that we claim is indeed a fundamental misunderstanding of the teachings of Jesus. And I'm not judging others. I put us all in the same category. It is something to which we must look. How are our roots? What do they mean? How do they propel us? There's this thing that happened to me recently that I share with you that may not mean anything to this message, but I think it's instructive to me anyway. About four months ago, there was a guy from the American Baptist Home Mission Society who came to visit. We had a meeting and we talked about giving and stewardship and all those things. But one of the things that we did while he was here is I gave him a tour of St. Louis, but I also gave him a tour of our church and I gave him a tour of our Sanctuary of the Beatitudes. And he absolutely fell in love with our windows. But who doesn't? He was so enthralled by them. And he said to me, we were standing right over there in front of the Paul window, he said to me, you know these characters? They don't look like most characters, these depictions. They don't look like most characters in church windows in America. They're, these are his words. They're ethnic. Not light-haired, blue-eyed, Eurocentric. But they look like they could actually have come from somewhere else with different cultural identities. Now, as we know, Jesus was from the Middle East, most likely a dark-skinned man, surely born of Jewish heritage. But unfortunately, so many of the paintings and pictures we see leave us a bit confused about that. I hadn't really thought much about our windows before in terms of the look of the characters. But I quickly thought back to the stained glass windows in the churches that I've attended. And I have to confess, in most of those windows, Jesus really could pass as a Caucasian. He could pass as a white guy holding the sheep over his shoulder, saying, the Lord is my shepherd. 
I ran into this same guy at the biennial a few weeks ago. And he introduced me to his wife and immediately began to tell her about the windows in our sanctuary. Now, our meeting was four months ago. He's been in a hundred churches since then. But what he remembered about Second Baptist Church was our windows. And then he said this thing to his wife that really struck me as interesting. He said, you know, as a black man walking into a sanctuary of a predominantly white church to see Jesus depicted as ethnic, his words, warmed my soul. I had never thought about that before. Then I realized that generations of children raised at Second Baptist Church who every week walk by the 35-foot-tall Jesus in the back after they're through being scared of the 35-foot-tall Jesus. They see Jesus caught up in the cogs of modernity. They see the temptation-riddled Jesus over here. And they see the crucified Jesus in the back. And not one of them looks like Ted Neely. Not one of them is steely, blue-eyed Jesus of the movies. But a Jesus whose origins just could be different than ours. Whose worldview might be different than ours. This Jesus isn't modeled after white Americans, or is, nor is he a champion of American values. In church culture, we have substituted Jesus' teaching for a set of cultural values that quite often are just opposite of what Jesus taught. And when you are rooted in that, some really strange ideas come about. Like the weirdest bumper sticker I think I've ever seen that said, if Jesus had a gun, he would be alive today. Huh. The depictions of Jesus in the windows matter. Even if we don't think about it. Even if we don't recognize it. They matter because white supremacy is a cancer in our country. And racism is, as Jim Wallace calls it, America's original sin. And white supremacy and racism are taught and modeled in the life of many, many churches. I know this to be true because I've witnessed it time and time again. Excuse me. (coughs) But in a church that acknowledges that Jesus isn't a white European savior, perhaps attitudes about white privilege and white supremacy can be addressed honestly. When kids at second... I've got a cough again, guys. Can you turn me off? (coughs) There we go. When kids at second pray their prayers, the image of Jesus in their minds is more like the 35-foot Jesus and less like the lifeguard at their private swim club. That's just one example. Excuse me again. The truth is, many of us have roots that lead to a very different-looking faith than one espoused through the life and ministry of Jesus. So what should we do when we realize that our roots, our starting points of faith, are flawed? What should we do when we discover that in us?
Paul says, stay rooted in your faith, but what if our faith is rooted in the wrong stuff? Well, I'd say it's time to reroute. Now, I know that doesn't fit into any of the gardener's ideas of the way things work, but it's just time to reroute. To go back to the beginning, which for a follower of Jesus is the teaching and story of Jesus. Jesus told his followers, hear these words and do them, and you will be like a house built on a strong foundation that will withstand the storms. Now, we can mix that metaphor up a little bit and we can change that metaphor and say, you will be like a tree that is rooted and strong. So what are the things that Jesus teaches us? What are the roots of our faith? How's this one? Love God with everything you've got. Love your neighbor as yourself. And by the way, everybody is your neighbor. Serve. Practice hospitality. Welcome the stranger. Stand with the bullied. Care for the dispossessed. Walk alongside the hurting. Heal. With your touch when you can, but with your words and with your actions. Don't judge. Help. Be generous. Oh, thank you very much, Fred. Be generous. Be honest. Turn the other cheek. Walk the extra mile. Be ready to sacrifice for others. Seek the kingdom that makes all of this a practical way of life. That is where our true roots are. So be rooted in Christ. Amen.